Here I am, saying things, getting back into the podcast game. Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. They seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the adventure. This is Steve. And this is Gordon. It's good to be back. It's good to have you. It feels weird to not do this podcast as regularly. Feels weird to do this podcast as much. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Gordon. Yeah. Uh, okay, so for our listeners at home, what you don't know is Gordon <laughs> yeah. uh, used to have a beard, a really big bushy beard, and just sort of the, what is it, like an undercut? Undercut. Style hair. Yeah, I was growing my hair out, actually, for a while. Yeah, so he had like kind of longer hair, um, and then he trimmed the sides, and he had like the short on side and long top. And his big bushy beard, kind of like every hipster you've ever seen. And now he is bald and his face is shaved, except for like this like dad stash, like this 90s dad stash. So my question for you, Gordon, you expecting some kids? Like what's with the stash? Um, so I've been wanting to shave my head for a while. And just the last time I cut my hair, like I've been like impatient and Kevin usually cuts my hair and I just haven't been able to wait for Kevin to cut it. So... I cut my hair last time, and when I had the clippers in my hand, I just didn't have it in me to shave my head. Like, if someone else cut my hair that day, I would shave my head. So the desire to shave my head has just been stronger and stronger since then, and it finally just overcame me. And Lizzie was looking through old pictures of me. I had a, I had a stash last summer when I was an intern for a door, and she saw those. You grew that whole beard in a year? Less than that, yeah. Dang, that is... Uh... Yeah. That is a fast So she saw the mustache. She's like, oh, that's cute. And I was like, you like the mustache? Because I always thought it looked weird. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to shave my head and I'm going to get a mustache. Yeah. And uh, I did it the next day. You got to, yeah, you got to do whatever pleases the lady. You know? I didn't expect it to be this short. Because I just went no guard and you can't really go backwards. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't expecting it to be this short. I don't like really like this combination as much. But my hair grows really fast. It won't look like this next week. Yeah. Well, I think it looks fine. I just, it's a shock to me. It's kind of like, if you imagine those videos with, like, the babies where, like, the dad has the beard and then he shaves off his beard and then the baby sees them, like, they have, like, the paper and, like, talking and the baby's all excited and they pull down the paper and the child just just cries because they don't recognize their father. It's kind of like how I felt. I was like, who is this man pulling up in Gordon's car? Right. Um, It's me. It, like, took me... A moment to process. I had, I had a parent yesterday at youth group, me and we have a new intern, Patrick, got out of our car and was like going to set stuff up. And his parent who knows me like pulled up because we have like a new location for the summer. We're having youth group. 
And she's like, hey, are you guys here for the True Cross Youth Group? And I was like, yeah. She's like, are you guys with Gordon? And I was like, I'm Gordon. And she's like, oh, okay. Hey, I didn't recognize you. And it was like this whole thing. And that's how, that's been happening all week with the teens. Some <laughs> teens accept it. Some teens think it's really weird. It happens. Yeah, I remember I, I trimmed, I had a bigger beard in college and I trimmed it down a little bit. I like shaved it off and my teens at the time were like, well, they used to actually call me Bearded Steve, so then they didn't know what to call me. Yeah. Uh, just Steve, I guess, at that point. Um, actually, Beardless, they started yeah. they started calling me Stove at that point, so I probably should have just kept the beard. <laughs> Do you find it easier to upkeep a beard or to, a, like, a clean-shaven face? Because they both take, like, the same amount of effort. Gosh. Um, like, yeah, I never, I never always forget what it's like to always have to shave every day. Yeah, and, I, I don't, I feel like I'm not as into that. Yeah. Um, which is why I keep facial hair on my face. Likewise. I was actually, when I was setting up for this podcast today, or like kind of prepping some of the yeah. notes, I was thinking, I was like, man, because it's been, I guess since we were almost recorded last that I saw you. I don't even know. Yeah, because you've been out of town and I've been moved. Doing stuff. But yeah, like just those podcasts with like two guys and like they record like kind of out of state almost, like kind of mm-hmm. like catching foxes type yeah. thing. And like how that keeps our friendship together. And I was just like, man, it's going to be so good to see Steve. And just like to like this week, just communicating about the podcast, like texting, and I was like, oh, it's nice to talk to you, Steve. Yeah, no, it's it's been good. I was actually just talking to my parents today about this because, you know, I moved to the area. Um, so we used to live down in League City, yeah. Texas, uh, which is where Gordon's still at. Uh, and then I moved up closer to like Memorial area, um, so I'm at like Chimney Rock and Ten. Mm-hmm. Don't stalk me. But I don't really, like, know a whole lot of people up here. And so, like, I just don't have that same level of community. And, you know, I have my roommate, and he's a great guy. Um, but there's that loneliness. You kind of feel like, oh, gosh, like, this, this kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I was like, this is how I felt three years ago when I moved to Texas the first time. You know? It's just not as good. So I just got to get back into it and meet some new people um, up here. But, but, yeah, it's great to be able to see you. Great to be back on the podcast been a while it has been a while i've told some people about the podcast yeah yes i've told a couple people at work it's not one of those things that i like walk into work i don't want to be like that guy that's like yeah like check out my podcast like i'm not really that guy i know we have one listener from the office nick seckford threw me under the bus so he met with me and my boss oh nice and he mentioned that i have this podcast sounds like nick and elizabeth my boss was just did they make fun of you? Yeah, I mean, she was just like, "Thank you so much for telling me," and I was like, oh, "Nick, you'll never hear the end like." Of there's it. a reason I didn't like mention this. Yeah, um, I don't want to be that guy. That happens all the time with me and Adore. Yeah, it's just like it's just a couple guys we talk about stuff. But um, luckily, Patrick's here now, who is a the ho- one of the hosts on the Crunch. Yeah, and so like that happening at the door now has kind of like been taken away from me and all the light with the door and like podcast has fallen on Patrick. Which actually reminds me, uh, I want to try to get with that Patrick and we'll yeah. try to bring him into the podcast. Maybe yeah. show about that. His, I with that. Cause I think that'd be really cool. Um, so we can share some listeners and we'll probably come out on the better end of that deal. But our listeners are the best listeners. They're just not. As Unless numerous. you also listen to the crunch, then uh, we're not dissing you at all. Yeah. You're just better than the, people who listen to the crunch and not us <laughs> because you listen to us now yeah. if you listen to us and not the crunch you're still better because you listen to us math what have you been uh what have you been reading uh, media watching? and taking yeah you've been seeing, seeing good new movies 
I have to music. be honest with you. Um, I want you to be. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot of media intaking. I've been super busy with, with my job. Um, I have been reading a few things. I just got a book from a coworker the other day that I'm going to probably start reading. And then I'm actually committing myself to do a little bit more spiritual reading yeah. than I typically have done in a while just because I've been so busy. And so I'm going to end up probably joining this up in this area. There's like this Catholic young adult book study thing. Um, and so whatever book they're going to end up reading. I've been reading The God Ask okay. um, pretty regularly because we're reading it as a staff. Nice. at my job nice. and so that's been really really good i just started watching tv again <laughs> which is kind of funny i haven't watched movies and, and tv shows which is uh bad if you're running a podcast on that kind of stuff <laughs> but i i had a friend named samantha i don't know if she's a listener if she, if you are shout out yeah. if not okay and so she clued me in on a couple shows one of them that i started watching recently is last man on earth and i'm like five episodes in and uh it's it's an interesting show. We're going to end up doing a podcast on it, probably. Um, and then I just went to a concert. Sorry, it's a really long spiel, but I haven't cool. been around in like oh, yeah. at least a month. I went to a Josh Garrels concert. Have you ever heard of him? I don't think so. Yeah, he's sort of this like Christian Americana artist. Okay. Yeah, so like I've listened to a little bit of him. And yeah, so that's been that. What have, uh, what have you been intaking? Kind of the same stuff that I mentioned, mostly just podcasts. Mm. But I did just start a new book with kind of the intern, Patrick, and just our mission, uh, Tattoos on the Heart, which is a Father Gregory Boyle okay. book on his mission. He started like Homeboy Industries. He helps minister to um, the gangs out in L.A. Oh, okay. Wow. And I'm only like two chapters in, but... I've listened. You can find him his speeches on YouTube, and he's yeah. he's phenomenal. Very cool. He's phenomenal. Very, very cool. Yeah, I mean really that's definitely needed. I see. It's got. Um, is that Our Lady of Guadalupe? Naturally, yeah. Yeah, on the cover here. Yeah, I like it. Our Lady of Guadalupe. I've been getting hit with recently. She um, follows you around, especially since I've started mm -hmm. working in this pro life mm -hmm. group because Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patron of the unborn, patroness. Of the unborn. Yeah, but she started following me around during the summer last year because she's also the patron of missionaries. Mm, you know who's been following me around? St. Therese, which we already knew. That makes sense. St. Therese of Cocada is always just following me around all the time. Oh, at some point I have to read St. Louis de Montfort. I have Clint's book, True Devotion to Mary. I just, I wanted to start it and then I was a couple of days behind. I was like, I'll start it the next time and then I haven't. So yeah. pray for me <laughs> that I actually get to this. Outside of that, I went home to Georgia last week, but mm. right before I left, me and Lizzie with Spieler Missionaries saw the new Solo movie, which uh, brings us to what we're going to kind of sort of dive into today. Yeah. This movie... I, I get to know. get Steve back, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Do we have to... Yeah. Because from what? What was Infinity that? Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. I had to ruin that for you. Well, Clint got me with A Quiet Place. Oh, uh, yes. But it's, it's fine. True. So Steve, just so you guys understand, hasn't seen Solo, haven't. a Star Wars story. I have. But the way I'm going to approach this, because me and Clint have been doing like more conversational pieces, I don't really think I'm going to do too much about the movie. One, because I don't remember a lot about the movie, honestly. Just the themes. It's been so long. But kind of the themes um, kind of go with like some of the characters. And like, as we're talking about the themes, maybe some things will come to mind and I can mention that. But yeah, so we'll kind of dive right in real quick and just I'll throw some questions at you as I'm going over it. If you want to come in. Yeah. But um, 
I'll for those me. that haven't seen Solo, like I said, I shouldn't ruin too much. But if you haven't, you can also just turn this off now and check this out once you do. For those that have, you guys know that this is a prequel story. So it's almost, I want to say it's an origin story, but it is like a story years prior and kind of like an introduction to a lot of questions we have about Solo. I really enjoyed it. It's really fun. Not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's not my least favorite. Um, I'd recommend definitely seeing it. Almost worth like a, a rewatch. It's pretty good. Mm. It's fun. Okay. Um, I've heard some mixed reviews. I liked it. But you hear mixed reviews on any Star Wars that's not the original Star Wars. Yeah, and I do also think this is a movie that a lot of people have high expectations. And with that, you're going to have bad reviews. Yeah. You know? Right. So essentially this movie is in a time where... There is a huge demand for hyperfuel, which I already forgot what it's called, a Coralax or something like that is what they call it. And so that's almost currency, mm-hmm. at least. And the one planet we kind of start on is where we find Solo. It is Corelia. And they don't really say how old he is, but either late teens, early 20s. Um, and he's there with, you kind of find he has like a love interest there, and they're trapped there. And this is like a place where... There's a bunch of orphan children on this area. It's a shipbuilding planet where they build like hover cars. They build all the ships that are flying out too. And so the orphan children, but the people that run this planet are encouraged to steal on the streets in order to survive. And they trade in their, whatever they stole that day for food and like living and all that. And Sol is kind of living there too. And very quickly they try to escape. And in the escape, him and his love interest separate and he's like I'll come back for you because he escapes she doesn't and so the rest of the movie is essentially he's pulling heists and all this stuff it's like a very fun space cowboy heist film in order for him to pay off his debt everyone here has debt almost like slaves and so he's trying to pay off his debt buy a ship which was something he always promised he's like we're gonna have our own ship one day so buy a ship go back and either find slash also free her and that's like pretty much the in essence the movie uh, we have tons of characters. We have Han Solo. Obviously, we have Chewbacca in this film. Um, and then we have new characters. Woody Harrelson plays a character named Beckett, who's someone he guns and hoots with to do one of the heists. Um, Amelia Clark plays a love interest. Her name's mm-hmm. Kira. Donald Glover plays Lando, young Lando, which he played a phenomenal role. And then a few other characters. But even in the intro, with that and like mm-hmm. them trying to escape Karelia, I realized like everyone in this film, even Woody Harrelson's character, who like the whole reason he's also like a criminal and thief that like just like another solo, is because everyone here, like I said, is in debt or slaves to their society. Mm. And so immediately with the escape and then also the trying to pay off the debt later on, Han Solo is essentially in his own exodus. And yeah. as I was kind of like writing down the notes for that, I was I was kind of cu- make, like I was kind of curious because Exodus came coming to mind. I did Exodus ninety here, and it comes up in like our men's group. Do you, what do you think? Because I know Jesus has like freed us from so much with the death on the cross. But what do you think our current modern times Exodus is? Um, I know there's a ton, but what would you? What, what would, or what is your Exodus? Or you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a really good question. So I first and foremost. Uh, we read scripture at work we're reading we just finished or finishing up exodus so it's ironic yeah uh, that you bring that up which is kind of cool for me you know i recognize a lot of things and i i'm not going to go too off the deep end with theology no yeah but i'm just general yeah but there is this sense that a lot of the first century jews a lot of the people who were 
awaiting the Messiah. There were certainly the zealots, and there were certainly those that were looking for a warrior Messiah, but there was also, if you, you read, like a lot of them realized there was going to be this spiritual Messiah, and this Messiah was going to lead them on this spiritual exodus to the spiritual new promised land of the new Eden, right? Right. And, you know, along the way, you get, like, the new bread of the presence and the new manna, which is the Eucharist, right? But I think for me, that's that's kind of the exodus, right? Yeah. This exodus out of, um, not so much out of this slavery to the Egyptians, but out of our slavery to ourselves and out of our slavery to our sin and this, like, spiritual exodus out of, essentially, slavery and death. Yeah. And yeah. so, so I think that's that's been it for me, and especially working in, in pro life, you kind of get confronted with moral evil a lot, you know. And this exodus, exodus out of this, you know, the culture of death that we often find ourselves in, um, the culture of hedonism, um, into this culture of life and love, and just yeah. I think that's what I was more looking for. It was more of like culturally. What do you think, as mm. like Catholics in society? we are not enslaved to but and, and you just kind of said it so there's a culture of death mm-hmm. and there's like a ton of answers yeah. um, you could you could do there's also you know bishop Barron and father mike smith's kind of recently talked on this with shape of water and movies like that have come out where like there's also been a switch in how people view faith and religion and mm-hmm. it's like almost more i wouldn't say cool but almost like more of a trend to not believe be agnostic be atheist so like almost that exodus to like in breaking that mold yeah um, which is actually more of the mold but <laughs> it's like yeah. the people yeah it's like the uh people who are countercultural, but that's actually the cultural norm i think specifically you know when we talk about the culture of death i mean obviously there's a lot of pro-life issues you know you yeah. you get just so much in that but i think there's also this sense of death to just like what is truly life like living worthwhile life um like the culture of death, yeah, when we think culture of death, we're thinking abortion, we're thinking euthanasia, but it, it encompasses a lot more. And it encompasses a lot more, I mean, because Christ showed it, pointed it out to us, you know. When we're talking about murdering somebody, Christ very clearly mentions, like, if you hold anger in your heart for your brother, you've committed murder in your own heart. So we live in this society of, of judgment and hatred towards each other, and that's just perpetuating the spiritual death. Um, I think that pornography is a huge issue. That is. That's another thing people are enslaved to. Um, there's and I think, like an exodus for. And ultimately, it, it's it's the death of the human person, mm-hmm. right? It's the death of our sexualities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think another one that comes to mind just as you're talking mm-hmm. was money. Mm-hmm. And like this, you know, uh, American dream as far as like getting a job, sustaining that. Yeah. When God's like, if you just trust me and like do what I'm asking you to do, mm-hmm. everything else will be taken care of. And even once it gets like the teeniest, like, God, you said you're gonna take care of me. He's like, I'm doing it. But like, yeah, just right. being tied down to like material things and money. Yeah, which it, you can, you know, going back to the culture of death reference, right? That's like this death to generosity. Um, that's this death to, I mean, really it, the culture of death, we have a certain idea for it, but it's really anything that is of Satan. And yeah. it's this death of the divine life, right. right? Sin is, the perpetuation of sin is the culture of death. Yeah. Um, we all live there sometimes. Yeah, and that's actually a great segue into this idea that, you know, in the early ages, Han's trying to just be free. Mm. Like I said, he's indebted. The whole world is almost indebted to one leader or another. 
and as we know f for any Star Wars film that usually runs by like one of two big leaders you know the Empire or the Rebellion or like who runs the good side the light versus the dark but because of that we see why Han is the smuggler that we know Han Solo today or from like the more like the first films and it's because because of this strive to freedom or strive to like be out of debt he has to live a life of crime even mm. at an early age like he there's no other way around it because even regular day living like say his orphans are taught to steal so he also just steals in order to free himself and so it's kind of with this i you know just i think that can happen today or like being raised in a culture where like sin is almost okay mm -hmm. um and so or like not even just okay but like encouraged encouraged and i think so that goes with your job mm -hmm. but also goes with like i said i'm reading tattoos on the heart mm. he deals with gangs in la and like the population of gangs right. is ridiculous and like the people that mm. hated what he was doing as he started the ministry were not people that were in the gangs with other people and they're like what are you why are you helping these people mm. and as soon as he started helping like he's like he realized they, they wanted jobs that's all he wanted and once he like tried to give them jobs they they were they were like, I want to get out of the gangs. I just want a job, but no one's going to help me get a job and all this thing. There's just people aren't helping. And yeah, just this idea of like cultural sin or like once someone messes up slightly, we just like cast them off Yeah, type thing. And we had a Bible study today. So this is, I think, what provoked this kind of question. We had a Bible study today where we went over Psalm 1, which is like the blessed man doesn't console with the counsel of the wicked. Um, we are like trees firmly planted next to the river our leaves don't die and it like but it keeps saying blessed and then the wicked and as a blessed man we're still sinful men you know we're still we're st we still are sinners but we're not wicked so what's the difference between sin and wickedness and you know is han in the right being a criminal and even now that we see him in the regular day films he's just accepted this life of crime even though he really doesn't need to be a criminal anymore but as we know in the original, like a new hope, and he does all his crime now for good, helping the light side and helping mm -hmm. Luke. So is he in the right? And like, what's the difference between being a sinner and just being totally wicked? Uh, well, I think of I think of Liam Miz in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, you know this idea of stealing bread to feed your sister and their child and being imprisoned for what was like initially like five year sentence, right. and then he tried to escape, and it was like another however long yeah i think that that's that's true it's tough and there's a lot of sense actually get a little political okay. philosophy with yeah. you um there's actually a difference between the idea of justice and the idea of equity mm -hmm. justice in a lot of ways is viewed as blind right you break x law this is the result right right Equity is this idea that okay well what are the circumstances what's going on right hey, you shot someone, you should go to prison, but they broke into your house and were trying to harm your children. Right. You know, and, you know, we, we talk about being a law, like a, a society of justice, but in a lot of ways we, we do embrace equity. We just don't call it equity and we try to pretend it's more like justice, but our laws are written because equity makes sense, right? Equity is this idea of justice, but with this merciful touch, right? I think that God, in a lot of ways, is a clearly a just God, but that his justice is tempered by his mercy, right? That God is equitable. And so when I think about these things of being stuck, I think in a lot of ways, people make their bad decisions because they feel stuck. Yeah. It's something I see, 
you know, you talk about women who get abortions. A lot of the time, if you're ever like doing sidewalk counseling, a lot of the times, actually, I would say most of the times, like it's incredibly rare if you get someone who's like, this is my choice. Most of the people are saying they feel like they don't have a choice. They've been pressured. Like this is their only option. Right. Because I don't think, like, I think people innately, right, it's written on their hearts. They know that some things might be wrong, right? We can reach that from reason. Mm -hmm. Like, our reasons can tell us something may not be right. Um, And I think a lot of the times it's, we get stuck in our situations and we don't know how to get out. So we just think to stay there because it's all we know. Yeah. No, that's actually, I was helping, before I started with the door, I started getting into, like, ministries that helped with sex trafficking. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the one company I did in like Atlanta, it was like Van Tours, it was called a Princess Night, where they would get two large buckets of roses. They knew the block basically where that was just prominent. We would drive around, get out of the van. Most of the guys were just kinda of keeping watch, but the women and other guys, if they're depending on the number, we'd ask first, Do you want a rose? Most people would say yes. Give them a rose, ask them to pray over them, circle up and pray over them. But the thing that was crazy was like, by the time I was going on it, they'd already done this a ton. And they had like really good relationships with a lot of women. And some of the women that they met were people that were like, yeah, she was like free last week, but here she's back. And it's because like she was trying to integrate back into the real world, you know, quote unquote, like a real life. And just, it was just too much anxiety and that transition, too tough. And where was she comfortable? Where, what did she know? Yeah. The life she already knew. And it's like, go, yeah. go back to what you know. I, mean, like I used to see that with my teens, you know, where they, they'd be in a relationship that wasn't necessarily good. And then when they got lonely, they wanted to go back to that relationship that wasn't good. That's a really great example. You see that just in high school with your friends. Yeah. You're like, get out of there. And then yeah. they're like, you're right. And then like the next week, they're like, they're the greatest person ever. And you're like, yeah. what? Yeah, cause they, they're, they're, because it's comfortable. Because... And I think that's that's something that we get um, as humans is we sometimes, like even if our situation's bad, sometimes we just get comfortable. I used to have a philosophy professor in college who used to say, oh gosh, what was it that he said? Oh, something along the lines, it's like comfort and consistency or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something of that effect. And it's the sense that sometimes, even if we're in a bad situation, we're like afraid of the uncertain. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting because God's constantly calling us into the uncertain. Yeah. Um, that we want to stay where it's comfortable and God's telling us to leave and go to the land of the Canaanites, you know, to go to this land that's uncomfortable and new and different um, in a desert. But what's interesting is that discomfort is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes Han Solo such an interesting character in Star Wars, especially with this film, seeing his backstory. Like, really, what he does isn't morally, like, just until he's, like, doing it for good purpose. So, like, when Luke meets him, you you know, he helps Luke out selfishly. He wants the money. He's like, if you can get the money, I got the fastest ship and all this stuff. So he does things that are selfish. He's just a smuggler. He's basically working on the streets. He's like mm-hmm. Aladdin. Um, but he, you can see that he's such a good person. Yeah. And also you can see what makes him uncomfortable is family or is like teamwork. Like his last name is Solo. He's a one, like besides Chewie, he's like a one man dude. Yeah. And where it's like a lot of other people, what makes them uncomfortable is like being alone or like standing, standing up by themselves to give a speech or trying to do what Solo does. Yeah. And that brings me almost into like the next part is like yeah. this film shows, shows teamwork. So like going solo versus teamwork and in this movie, Solo never refuses teamwork because another thing Solo is really good at is betting 
extremely high stakes. Like if you took him to like Vegas, he would only bet ridiculous amounts. And because when the stakes are that high, it helps him try harder to achieve it. And we see that in the other films Weezy's in, but also because then he can talk other people into helping him out. Mm. He's very charismatic in that sense. And then like, so you see this like teamwork of like, even if it is for selfish reasons, which it is almost for everybody on the team, that like it only works when people are working together right. rather than by themselves. Yeah, and there's a sense that community is important. I think it's interesting that Solo switches from the selfish way to this magnanimous way when he meets like a Luke character, right? This sense of like the light side, right? Like meeting almost like a Christ-like figure. And I think that that's ultimately what really is going to change our hearts. Encountering truth and really encountering life and love, it's really hard to break these habits. And it's almost counterintuitive when you're talking about the culture of death in that way of like this culture of sin that it's through death that you get to life. Because it's almost weird. But you see that with Christ, right? His death and then his resurrection. Right. Um, that we have to follow that path. We have to die to ourselves. That we have to allow these prejudices. These things that a lot of the time we define ourselves by. Yeah. To pass away so that we can be defined by life and truth and light. Another thing that I think really helps us on our, like, path and, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of, like, pulls us closer to crisis when we, like, maybe don't even figure out our vocation, but, like, start discerning that more seriously. Because another thing about Solo is that I don't really think it was Luke that, like, when we, when we see this switch in Solo in the movies, but it was Leia. Because, mm. like, even Solo in, like, The Force Awakens, drastically different Solo than, like, A New Hope. mm and like, cause now he's got kids. Now he's like, ma- like married. Well, I don't know if they're like, if they were divorced or married or whatever. They're just complicated. But when he had like someone, you know, like his vocation was almost like a marriage. Then like his life is different. And you see that in this film too. There's like, there's a love interest, and everything he's doing is for her. But he's willing to like hurt other people, sort of, to do that. Yeah. And almost with Leia, she doesn't want him to do that, hurt other people. And there is a switch. And I think that happens with anything, whether your vocation is the priesthood or religious life I think once you kind of like it clicks you have something to kind of like live for for this greater purpose yeah and I think you know when we're talking about discernment and and vocations I think it's really interesting I forget who said it part of me wants to say it was Mother Teresa St. Mother Teresa part of me wants to say Venerable Fold Machine for some reason could be anybody he's um, gonna paraphrase yeah it's something more or less to the effect of you know you find your vocation when you start stop looking and you start loving right that this idea that like our ultimate vocation is to love right and I think it's Mother Teresa because that's right in line with do great things right or small things with great love with great love yeah and there's this sense of like really figuring out what our vocation and like seeking that, but also recognizing that we can't forego like, oh, well, my vocation is, you know, X, Y, or Z, right? Like whether your vocation is to be a priest, your vocation is to be uh, religious, your vocation is to be married. If you're single or you're not <laughs> able to join the seminary or like you're in that discernment process, your vocation now is to love and your vocation then is to love. Be holy too. Yeah, yeah, and to be holy, yeah, and, to be to holy and to love, and and I'm not discrediting the being holy part. No, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, because that's important. Um, 
and in a way those things they feed into each other to love feeds into our holiness and like our holiness grows needs to grow out like we can't just be personally pious this needs to grow out into an outpouring of love and that love ultimately should help bring us back home because at some point we run out of our own ability to love and if we're not being fulfilled by god if we're not turning in holiness in allowing god to fill us first it's really hard to go out there and love um but that's neither here nor there yeah no that's that's totally true and another thing that solo loves besides people and like when he figures out like doing good is nice is flying Mm. he's a pilot so which brings me kind of to my last point of our gifts and that the i think the first scene in new hope if i remember correctly it's been kind of a about a year i guess since i've seen it but new hope when we, we first meet solo the character the first time he actually kind of gets excited rather than like seemingly just doing a task for Luke and, and money is when he's flying for for them through like an asteroid field or something. I don't remember what or like being shot at and they make it and you know they do the classic woohoo and like he like grabs Leia and like hugs him and they're like ooh and then like he hugs like Luke and he's mm-hmm. like excited because he's a dang good pilot and he just got to like use those gifts or something or in the same I think that same scene is when like him and Luke are shooting and, like mm-hmm. the things and like she's like good one kid and like He's using his best gifts. And you see this throughout this movie. Um, everyone has different gifts as far as like Lando being just like almost like a cheater, a gambler, and like a charismatic talker. And uh, Han still being like a great pilot. And then Beckett, Woody Harrison's new character, also being a great pilot. But he's almost like a really cool gunslinger. And they always have these great gifts. And even though they're using them for like crime, mm-hmm. it brings them joy. Well, actually, I don't know if I want to say this that way because you shouldn't do use your gifts for crime to bring you joy, guys. Don't do that. But uh, but that ultimately, take it away, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> that ultimately we have gifts and talents, um, and in the same way that you know we're seeking to do these things, you know, um, to quote Saint Augustine, right? Better to be lost in your passions than to have been to have lost your passion. Because ultimately, everything we do is this striving for God, and insofar as we miss the mark is how much we've sinned, right? Correct. That all of our sin is ultimately seeking God in places that are not God. And so they have these gifts and talents that they love to use because they bring them joy, Mm -hmm. and they're using them for the wrong thing. That's not saying that those aren't gifts and talents, right? Right. Solomon used his wisdom for evil toward the end, right? He reestablished the temple of Moloch. When you reorient that toward God, these gifts and talents are used to build the kingdom, right? And that's the the, the shift. Yeah. Woody Harrelson, his character's name is Beckett, and he's a really cool character. I was actually weary about Woody Harrelson in a Star Wars movie, but his character's really cool. And this one line, which is, like, huge in the movie, he tells Solo... Trust no one and assume everyone will betray you. And, you know, it's Catholics with their faith and all that. That's, like, obviously the exact opposite. It goes back to our vocation is to love. To be vulnerable. Right. But also because of that advice and because of that code that he almost lives by, that's almost where his downfall is. Mm -hmm. Especially in, like, his gifts. He had these gifts. He He was capable of doing so much. But because he thought in this broken world, which is the same with our broken world and the downfall of man, that he had to trust no one and assume that everyone's going to betray him, even if someone was helping him. And that was kind of his downfall. That's essentially all I had 
as far as like this. Like I said, we don't go cover the movie much. I don't think I spoiled yeah. anything for you. No, no. But I just want to cover some of the themes and just talk with you, Steve. I like it. Good stuff. First off, do you have any challenge? Oh, I do have a challenge. Yes, yeah. thanks. Uh, my challenge is actually, I'm, I have a challenge for like a prayer for you guys this week. To go either just outside or to go to the chapel. Just go somewhere different than you usually pray and don't make it your room. Just change scenery one time to two times this week. Go and just sit down and talk to God and say, God, I recognize I'm a sinner, but I'm not wicked. And sit in that. Figure out what in culture, what in your daily routine might you be enslaved to, even in like the most subtle way. Whether it's, I, I snack all day. I don't know what it is. Something silly. But whether it's something intense, something small, find out what that is and pray to God to allow him to guide you like he did Moses, you know, in, in the Exodus. And then to also recognize your gifts and to thank him for that. So just do that. Change your scenery. Go pray and thank God and kind of ask for his help just once or twice this week. And that's kind of my challenge for you guys today. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, you have any shout outs? I guess I have one. I don't think he listens to the podcast yet, but Patrick Nevy or Neve Neville. We call him Crunchy. He's from the Crunch. Um, he's our, he's our, we got to beat him up this, this summer. He's our intern. So shout out to Patrick, I guess. Cool. Um, I don't know if I shouted out Rachel uh, from work. I promised her I would. Um, so shout out to her. Shout out. Shout out to Nick for embarrassing me and throwing me under the bus with my boss. Shout out to my boss if you're listening. Uh, you're great, and um, please let me keep my job. <laughs> I think that's it yeah. uh, that I can think of. And cool. just Like usually, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. We have that YouTube channel. We have a few videos up. We'll try to like kind of post. That's right. We do have that we have YouTube. We have a YouTube channel now. I forgot yeah. all yeah. about that. What it's, is on it? You know the videos that Clint kind of made for his trips? Oh, we kind of turned it into a YouTube channel so we can make put it on YouTube for people to find and then just post YouTube channels to our Facebook group. So it's more of like a visual piece so you guys can see who we are. If you ever want to post like a quick meditation. No, I like to try to keep our numbers as high as we can. <laughs> um, but yeah, do that stuff. We just got business cards. So if you know us, ask us for one, hand them out to your friends. Um, but yeah, just check us out. Share us share us on facebook but mostly share us with your friends and yeah, let us know us. what you think give us feedback rachel gave us some feedback yeah um the way she actually set it up was funny she was like yeah i was like so what do you think she's like i like your podcast she's like i she's like i think that it's a really good premise and i think that the content's really good and that was it like that was just what she had to say but she said it like that as if she was gonna say she had, but like, yeah. there's something negative some, like crit- criticism but she had not but she didn't it was just she thought it was good so thank you rachel for feeding my ego cool well we will see you guys next week and thanks for joining us on the venture <laughs>